0: This show is part of the Stuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of yon Macool Cool Cullen. Deirdre of the Sorrows, growl your wail from giants right down to fairies, of the drooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside, yeah. Fireside, the book fireside, the marrow, fireside, kings and queens, fat and heroes, don't you run from the fun? there's no need to hide, sit by the fireside. Mm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish Storytelling Podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan and I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 131 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we continue with the first branch of the Mabinogion, the saga of Welsh mythology, with the story of Pulch, Prince of David, and his beloved wife, Rhiannon. But first, I want to give a huge welcome to any new, and indeed any returning listeners. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate you taking time to listen to the podcast. Uh, please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard, if you haven't done so already. Or contact me at thefiresidebar@gmail.com if you have any thoughts or queries, or just want to say hello. I always love hearing from each and every one of you. And if you really want to support the podcast and uh, join the intimate community of Fireside supporters, you can do so over at Headstuff Plus at Headstuff where for as little as five euro a month you can gain access to not just bonus material for Fireside but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network and there will be a brand new episode, uh, members only exclusive episode over on Headstuff Plus all about WB Yeats and the poetry of Yeats and its influence on Irish mythology and vice versa. That will be there for you all. Um, It should have been up last week but I am coming to you from Hobart in Tasmania where I've just begun the tour of World of Musicals. The last episode I recorded, I was still in quarantine in Sydney uh, at Darling Harbour. Since then, it has been a long, long L week. We got out of quarantine, uh, flew to Hobart, uh, went straight into tech. Tech is a a very, very strange week mentally as well as physically, because you're very much in a no man's land where you haven't quite started doing a show yet, but it feels like your entire life has fallen apart until you actually get to the show but we had our very first show in launceston here in tasmania last night and it was my first time performing on a stage for an audience in over a year and a half so that felt absolutely incredible to be doing it's a great show it's a great cast and we look forward to spending the next five months exploring around australia and new zealand but of course keeping with you each and every week for fireside i have had a couple of people uh couple of listeners from Oz and from New Zealand messaging me and uh, please do if if you are in a place that we are come along see the show say hello I always always love hearing from you so the, the few fireside listeners I've actually got to meet in person from around the world is incredible because it's a tiny tiny little podcast that I record into a zoom recorder and upload into the vast vast world that is podcasting you know the in all the noise so the fact that people from anywhere outside of my hometown never mind my home country listen to it is is outrageous so thank you so much and please do get in touch Uh, moving on to the story for the week Uh, thanks so much for all of your feedback Uh, i reached out and asked because we've taken a new direction now going with welsh mythology and it's great to hear your thoughts um if i haven't got back to you already i absolutely will because it uh, it really helps it really helps me along, you know, getting the response from you about things you like, things you don't like, and uh, everything is helpful. So thank you so much to everyone of you who's got in touch. This story uh, really stood out for me when I first read it, but this is the second part of the first branch of the Mabinogion. This is the story of Hryanon on Fireside. Prianon Once, Pulch, Prince of David, was at Arbeth, one of the chief courts of the seven cantrefs he ruled over. While there, he made his way to the mound known as Gorsed Arbeth. When he arrived, one of his courtiers told him, Lord, it is the strangest thing, but whenever a nobleman sits on the mound of Gorsed Arbeth, one of two instances occurs. Either he is grievously injured, or he witnesses some great marvel. I like those odds, said Pulch, for I don't fear injury or bodily harm, and I am more than happy to risk witnessing a great marvel. And so Pulch, Prince of David, sat on the mound of Gorsed Arbeth, and no sooner was he sat comfortably on grass Then he witnessed a strange rider go on by on a magnificent stallion, as stallions often are. Though the rider was heavily cloaked, with a large hood covering their face, Pulch sensed two things. One, that the rider was female, and two, that he must speak with her. He didn't quite know how either of these instincts had come to him, But then again he was not used to sitting on enchanted mounds either. He called to his assembled crowd. Which one of you is the fastest runner? The crowd looked to each other murmuring and pointing until a young lad stepped forward. Lord, I believe I am. Certainly I have never lost a foot race in all my life. Excellent lad, said Pulch. Run after that rider and see if you can signal her to stop. And off the boy ran and Pulch had never seen a youth run as fast. But the rider was still on horseback, and even a weak horse can outrun a fast man, and this was no weak horse. The runner waved his arms frantically, but to no avail. The rider rode out of sight. Pulch was disappointed, but determined. Fate had brought him to Gorsed Arbeth, and he would return to the mound the next day. That night there was feasting and drinking, and Pulch spent the entire evening attempting to imagine the face that nestled in the hood. The next morning, Pulch returned to the mound with his followers. He had sought the fastest rider and paired them with the fastest horse. They waited, and as soon as they all saw that same horse and same rider coming across the valley, "'Ride out and catch that rider!' said Pulch to his own man on horseback, and the rider gave chase. But the faster Pulch's rider went, and the more he encouraged his own horse, the farther the stranger got from him. It was like trying to catch a wheel of cheese rolling down a hill. The rider returned, defeated, but Pulch was not. They returned to Arbeth for more drink and more feast, but the next morning Pulch, Prince of David, would take matters into his own hands. He had his own horse prepared, and he dressed in his best and most durable riding clothes. Pulch arrived at Arbeth and waited for the fated stranger. When she came into view, he asked his horse to show him the meaning of haste, and they gave pursuit. Pulch was an excellent hunter and rider, But like his men before him, the more chase he gave, the farther the rider was away from him. He was about to give up, before the thought came to his mind to cry out, Lady, in the name of the man you love, will you please stop and talk with me? The rider ahead stopped with such intensity, Pulk had to swerve his own horse out of the way to not collide with them. The strange rider said, I will stop. And it's a shame you did not ask me too sooner, for it would have saved you and your men a lot of trouble. Who are you? asked Pulch. The rider removed their hood, and the face beneath was the face Pulch, Prince of David, didn't even know he had been searching for. She was even more beautiful than the Queen of Anoven, whom Pulch had lived with when he had been in the guise of Arwen, King of Anoven. My name is Hryanon. I am the daughter of Haithad Hen, and I am being forced to marry against my will. But I am already in love, and I am riding to seek an answer. The man I love is you, Bulch, Prince of David. And before I am married off to another man, I have come to tell you that, and find out how you feel about me. Hulk found the words were in his mouth without thought, words more articulate and vulnerable than he knew he was capable of. Lady, I have been sat on the mound of Korstad Arbeth waiting for injury to befall me or for me to bear witness to something wonderful, and thankfully it has been the latter. If I could marry any woman on this earth, it would be you. I'm glad to hear it but you must fight for me come to the court of my father one year from now and make your claim for my hand until that day I will dream of you as I have always dreamed of you for years the two new prospective lovers exchanged this promise and as soon as she had come Rhiannon remounted her horse and rode off again a year from that day Pulch rode to the castle of Haithathen, and he was met warmly by the king. He declared that he was, Pulch, prince of the seven cantrefs of David, and that he was also a lord of Anoven, having served as their king for an entire year, and that he had come that day to ask for the hand in marriage of Rhiannon. Haithathen was only too happy to accept the proposal, and a great feast was immediately prepared. Rhiannon and Pulch sat next to each other for the first time, a year since they had met, ready to finally get to know one another in a tangible way and begin their life together. Sometime into the feast, a hooded figure approached the head banquet table and asked to make a request of Pulch, Prince of David. Drunk and full of love, Pulch said, ''Friend, if it is in my power to do it, I will grant you any request.'' Rhiannon looked to her love. Why, oh why, would you say a thing like that? The cloaked figure removed his hood to reveal the face of a handsome youth. Thank you, Lord. My request is this. I love the woman whom you are engaged to marry. I ask you to relinquish your marriage plans and the feast and give them to me. Bulch sat silent and stony-faced. ''Stay silent all as long as you like,'' said the stranger. ''You have already given me your word.'' Phryanon said, ''No man has ever made as stupid a mistake as you have there. This is Gual, son of Clod. He is powerful and has a large following. He is the one to whom I was engaged against my will, and now you have just given me away to him. And if you don't, your name will mean nothing.'' ''Lady.'' I am so sorry, said Pulch. I refuse to relinquish you to this man. There must be something we can do. Lucky for you, I have already thought of such a contingency plan, said Rhiannon. And Pulch's love took a small skin bag out and handed it to Pulch. Rhiannon then told her foolish love her plan before they turned back to address Gwal. Lord, said Rhiannon. My hand in marriage is yours, but this feast has been promised to our people. It is not mine to give you, but if you return here in one year, both the feast and my marriage bed will be yours. It was agreed, and Guo left satisfied, and Pulch felt foolish, but Rhiannon had faith in her own plan. Another year came and went, and Gwaul, son of Clod, returned to the home of Haifad Hen, and another marriage feast was prepared, but this time Gwaul sat beside Rhiannon, and Pulch, prince of David, was nowhere to be seen. But sometime into the feast, a homeless beggar approached the feasting table and asked to make a request of Gwaul. "'Sir,' said Gwaul, "'I will not be as foolish as some have been, and promise to give you anything in my power.' But if the request is reasonable, I will grant it. The beggar said, Lord, I do believe my request is humble. It is only a fool's stomach that I desire. All I ask is for enough food to fill this bag. The beggar produced a small skin bag. It didn't look like it would hold enough to feed a child. Gwal said, "'Sir, your request is indeed humble. "'Take as much food as you can carry and be on your way.' "'So the beggar began to fill the bag, "'and he kept filling and filling, "'and no matter how much food was put into the bag, "'it did not grow or bulge or overflow. "'The feast was nearly packed away entirely "'before Gual sought to rout the treachery. "'Sir, will your bag ever be full?' It will not, said the beggar, unless the feet of a nobleman step in the bag to stamp the food down. I will do it, and put an end to this madness, said Gual, And he stepped down from the banquet table and set both feet inside the tiny bag. As soon as he did, the beggar kicked the bag out from beneath Gwal and swooped the lord inside the bag. The beggar then revealed himself as Pulch, Prince of David, tied up the skin bag and began to kick and beat it with Gwaal son of Clod still inside. Then ninety-nine of pulch soldiers began to descend on the hall and overpower Gwaal soldiers. And every time someone saw the bag they would ask, What's in the bag? It's a badger. And they would kick it. And so began the game of badger in the bag, which is a game apparently. Once the hall had been overpowered, Haifadhan and Hryannon called for an end to the madness, and the lord said to Pulch, This is no way to treat a nobleman by stuffing him in a magical bag and beating him. Yes, said Hryanon, release him from the bag, and he will release his claim on me and all intent of vengeance. I do, and I will, came the muffled voice of Gwauw inside the bag. So Gwaul was released and swore fealty to Pulch, and the Prince of David sat at his place at the banquet table once more, and two years to the day since meeting for the first time, Pulch, Prince of David, and Rhiannon, daughter of Haifad Hen, were finally married. To be continued. <laughs> Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, some of which inspired me to approach Headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Hello everyone and welcome to I Know That Face, the only podcast which honors the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Portia. My name is Andrew Carroll character actor is a supporting actor who specializes in playing unusual interesting or eccentric characters for whatever reason these performers are less concerned with being stars because of that they often take supporting roles in big movies or only play leads in indie films or tv they're less concerned with their image they can bounce between heroes or villains they're chameleons and they often disappear into each role so you might know the faces but you might not know the names so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe for podcasts and be on the lookout for that to come and until then uh, see you later cinephiles bye bye and that's the story of Rhiannon on Fireside. And I really hope you enjoyed it. It's incredible to this, this immediately into the Mabinogion to meet uh, a female character like Rhiannon, which is obviously one of those incredible, incredible Welsh names that is, is so pleasurable to say in the mouth, um, like so many of them are. But we have a story of very, it's very classical classic fairy tale elements you know the the princess being forced to marry against her will and needing the prince to come and save her but it totally inverts that and twists it which is incredible for a saga that was only written down for the first time in the 11th between the 11th and 13th century because every reason that this story is, succe- is, is successful is because of Rhiannon it is her who goes out to find puck it is her who has been dreaming of him not the other it's not angus dreaming of this faceless woman it is a it is a woman who has dreamt of her own love and has gone to pursue but it still st- stays within the remits of what society would have been in the period where she ultimately would have had to have been married off if That was what her father chose for her or there was a powerful enough lord who sought her hand and sought her marriage dowry, all of that. But we have Rhiannon come and first of all she can't be caught um, which is an incredible way for her to be introduced, heavily cloaked. And with this this concept of gorser Arbeth, this place that Polk just has to sit on and face out and wait to just either be grievously injured or to witness something incredible and thankfully it is the latter. So first he has to earn the right to even talk to her, even though it's her who is seeking him out. So you have a, you have a dance, uh, a back and forth, a flirtation immediately there. and he does finally stop her with these words in the name of the man you love stop and talk to me. And the man she loves is, of course, him. But he still has to go and fight for her. This is, it's Scott Pilgrim. He has to go and defeat her evil ex. But once he does, he's at this marriage banquet. And I. this was actually my favorite part of it in the versions I've read. Both the Oxford World's Classics version and the Matt, uh, Mark Addis version that I'm listening to. Or Matt Addis version that I'm listening to on audiobook of the Mavanaghian where he makes this mistake where the stranger comes in and Pulch is drunk and full of love and he says anything you want, any request at all, I will gl- grant it like it's the opening of The Godfather and a Sicilian can't refuse a request on the day of his daughter's wedding and of course it's this suitor who Ricanon was being forced to marry against her will and he said okay if I can have every, anything give me your wife and give me your marriage feast love that he asks for the feast as well but in every version of the story I've read, it's I love how Rhiannon chastises or er, chastises Pulch. And geez, nearly called him Fion McCool there because he kind of is. He is there the, a Welsh version, um, and she just says, "I have never met anyone as stupid as you for that." She totally, she totally gives out to him and tears him a new one for it. And it was such a stupid mistake, but it's a it's a great moment of humor. in in the story that obviously just descends from there once she makes this plan. And in a lot of versions, she totally explains the plan and then the plan happens. Whereas I just had it where when we learn of the plan, it is as it is actually happening. And this again, Polk has made this mistake after coming to claim her hand and gets them into this mess where Rhiannon is going to have to marry Gwaul. And still it's Rhiannon who comes up with the plan to save herself from her new husband's stupidity because he's made this stupid error and still she's his love, you know, and he loves her. she loves him for that and doesn't lose faith in him and he doesn't have to come up with a plan himself to earn her back again. She's like, no, like you're the man I love and I want to be with you even though you just gave me away to another man. But I'm lucky that I was smart enough to have thought of a plan for this. And this plan with the Mary Poppins bag, this small little crane-skin bag, or I always imagine it's crane-skin, of some kind of animal skin, which is another real mythology, folklore, trope, the bottomless bag. We've had it in a couple of stories. I think we had it in the story, the storyteller and the beggar, I think was one from a few years ago. We have Pulch going... There's a great thing in, in the Mabinagion throughout all of it where... It's always a year from now. You had that it last week already. It's like this thing happens. Okay, we'll meet again in one year. Then they meet again. Okay, we'll meet again in another year. Um, it's an interesting element that seems to be quite unique to these stories that I haven't really encountered as much in Irish stories or in Norse stories. But I like it. I like the idea of the passage of time, especially with the swift nature of fairy tales and folk tales watched an incredible video recently of Lindsay Ellis is my favorite um, film theorist. Uh, she's incredibly entertaining on uh, on YouTube if you haven't checked her out and she does these incredibly in-depth critiques of Disney movies and her most recent one was on the the Little Mermaid trying to reevaluate the Little Mermaid Disney movie before they inevitably make an awful remake of it. And she makes this very point that one of the kind of what would you call it, like straw feminist attacks on 90s Disney was that, you know, they marry a man they just met. And it's the thing they really hammer home in the likes of Frozen, you know, like you can't marry a man you just met and all that. But there's actually nothing to say in any of those early classic Disney movies to say how quickly uh, they get married. There's falling in love instantly, absolutely, and no one's saying that there isn't some kind of problematic element to that. But it always just has them married at the end. It doesn't ever say the next day. So that's what I quite like here, is there's a very definite passage of time, despite that very classic trope of the falling in love immediately. You know, it kind of meets fantasy and reality in a a very halfway between the two in a very interesting middle ground. So we have Rhiannon finding Pulch and then a year later he goes to find her and then another year later he has to come and and fight for her from Gual. And he does this with her own plan of feeding, putting food, endless food into this bottomless bag until eventually... You uh, he gets Gwal to step in it and sweeps him inside himself, and so begins the tale of or the game of Badger in the Bag, which I imagine was some kind of blood sport. Um, actually, to be honest, when you look it up, all you really get are stories, all you get is like Gwal and Pulch, and so it seems to be quite specific to this. So maybe if it was a game. I hope it was only a game in the Middle Ages that even as horrendous as blood sports are that that one was deemed... Like, what's the game in that? You know? Catching a bag- badger and kicking him to death in the bag. Oh, I hate everyone. But we have the foundation of the badger in the bag. I found an interesting point about that actually That uh, because the reason rhyme arose in poetry from uh, from the likes of Homer and the epics... Is because these stories were told orally and rhymes are easy to remember, so that was why that was how rhyme came up as mnemonic as a mnemonic device to help remember. And apparently, things like this, particularly in the Mabinogion, were these mnemonic devices. So having like Badger in the Bag as a, a a point in the story that you could just remember if you lost your way, you're like, oh, we're at the Badger in the Bag myth, and that allowed you to check back in with your audience as well who you were talking to you know you'd be swept up and talking about the action of the story and then you can turn out to them and go and that's where we got batter in the bag from so that's from a storytelling point of view very very interesting uh, from the craft of storytelling but i love then as well that polk Kicks the shit out of uh, Gwaul in the bag, and as do his 99 soldiers. But then Haifa who's Rhiannon's father and the lord of this place where that's taking place, he says, You can't be doing that. Like, I know he tried to steal your wife, but you can't really be at that kind of crack. And he lets him go, and he relinquishes his claim. And finally, two years after meeting, a very definite passage of time, Rhiannon and Pulch are finally married and finally get to be together and the next story will be the story of their son and the next story will be the final part of the first branch of the Mabanagian so we'll have next story we'll have is the story of Praderi and once I finish that we'll kind of take stock again see how everyone's feeling how everyone's enjoying it and we can make a plan from there because I'm really enjoying adapting them I've said before it gives me a really nice bit of focus um when i'm very very the tour should hopefully level out now now that we've actually started the show like with our second show tonight so i actually had a morning off which i haven't had and um, but i'm delighted to be back on top of fireside now so please do follow me over on instagram at FiresideBard. bard uh, if you want to check out my poetry or just check in and say hello if you have any thoughts on the episodes email me at the firesidebard at gmail.com join headstuff plus uh, where for as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you so choose you can gain access to lovely goodies. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the podcast studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.